Well, I want to begin a new teaching series this morning entitled Respect. Everybody say respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Don't laugh at me. I feel like Rodney Dangerfield when you laugh at me like that. Now, we want to talk about respect. Respect is a very important and vital issue. It's on the decline. Uh, I'm going to sound real old when I say this. Kids aren't being raised like I was raised. Uh, And across the whole spectrum, the lack of respect that takes place in our schools and toward our government and toward people that hold trust and their lack of respect for the people that are entrusting them and so, so many different things just all over the place. But beyond those, there's no hope for any of those things unless we get first things first. And that is that we have the proper respect for God Almighty and for His Word. Can I get an amen from everybody out of that one? And uh, so we're going to dive in the next few weeks here um, concerning this. Now, it's always interesting to me to see what new things are going to be developed or discovered or invented. Um, I'm wondering for this year, maybe what wonder drugs or miracle inventions or super-duper handy gadgets are, uh, are going to come on the scene. Wouldn't it be wonderful if some wonderful cures are discovered yeah. this year? Wonderful programs and different things. And, and I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm a hopeful person. I'm a positive person. It's because of whose child I am. And we need to live that way. Um, but there have been a lot of things, such as wonder drugs and, and incredible inventions and so forth. Aspirin, when aspirin came on the scene, now they find more and more you know, uses for it. Penicillin. Duct tape. Duct tape's a good one. The Popeil Pocket Fisherman. iPod. I mean, there's all kinds of things that... And it's going to be interesting to see what gets developed this year. And what a wonderful country we live in because we're inventive, creative, and we have buoyant spirits. And I believe that the spirit of America will shine again big time this year. And uh, you believe God to give you witty ideas and inventions and so forth. Believe God for that. And wouldn't it be awesome if there was something available to you that could help you find your purpose, build your character, make you happy, and also adjust anything that was out of kilter in your life? Wouldn't that be awesome? Guess what? There is something. There is something. That's what we're going to zero in on today a little bit. And I want you to think about this. It's going to help you to find your purpose, build your character, cause you to be happy. Some of y'all need that one. Some of y'all, hurry up and get to that part. (laughs) And also to adjust anything in your life that may be out of kilter. Sounds too good to be true. But don't worry, this won't end up on like as seen on TV, you know, things. This is real deal, and I want to get into it this morning. In fact, there is something that not only produces all these things, but it is required. It's a requirement. It's actually a duty in our life, which points to God's love and intentions for us, that the thing that would be best for us, that would produce these kind of things for us, God actually requires it and calls it in Scripture a duty. 
to be in our life. Solomon, you remember Solomon, he had extraordinary God-given wisdom. And he penned a number of books. Ecclesiastes is the one I want us to think about this morning. And with this extraordinary God-given wisdom, he examined and studied life. He observed man's interests and man's efforts, and he discovered that it is all vanity. It's vain, empty, and it's like chasing the wind. Further, Solomon looked at life and everything pertaining to life under the sun, and he saw that everything was fragmented. Things just didn't fit together right. And then he took another look, having observed it all, and I want you to understand this. He could observe it all because of his wealth and his wisdom and his position. He had access to everything. And so he was able to observe everything. He had such right and privilege and power. He observed everything, and he realized it doesn't fit. It does not work. Everything man is interested in, in everything man attempts, everything man enjoys, it all ends up just kind of empty. But then he backs up a little bit and he's able to refocus this thing through God's point of view. And through God's point of view, he saw that there's a way that things could become whole. And that's what we're about is wholeness. That's what we're about. That's what God wants for us. How many of you want wholeness in your life? We don't want our lives fragmented. We don't want our relationships, our finances, our, our, our emotions Whatever We don't want that all busted up and pieced together. We want wholeness. Even our, our legal system talks about wholeness. Talks about, you know, lawsuits are tom- sometimes filed, and the actual language used is to bring someone to wholeness, to take what they lost or how they were injured and to cause them to be whole again, if that were possible. And this is the intention of God is for your life to be Whole. And I'm going to go ahead and warn you this morning. This is a good news message today. If you're all religious and miserable, you're probably not going to enjoy this a lot. But this is a good news message for us today. And I don't have to fudge on anything. I don't have to hype anything. I don't have to exaggerate anything. This all comes from Scripture. And I'm telling you what, God wants to help you in your life. And he wants to help your life come to wholeness. If man wants to have wholeness, he must begin with God. We've already alluded to that earlier during the offering teaching, but you must begin with God. You have to have a proper relationship and a proper response to God. I've been thinking a lot about this lately as I've uh, taken a little bit of time off preparing to go into the new year and enjoying time with my family and uh, just in my own devotion time too, thinking about this and kind of looking forward, leaning forward regarding ministry. And again, presented with the awareness that ministry largely is about people rescue and people repair. Much of ministry is reactive. And I say it in this sense that it's about rescue and repair because a lot of times the damage is already done. We're kind of arriving on the scene we're already kind of broken and fragmented and got issues. How many of you know anybody that has issues? <laughs> you didn't see that, but the person next to you. What? <laughs> we all got them. What we're endeavoring to do with ministry this year more than ever is to be more on the preventive end. We can never leave the rescue and repair, but to become more proactive 
in helping people to, wouldn't it be great that we didn't get broken and damaged in the first place? And that's why we're going to put a lot of emphasis this year, beginning with the men in discipleship. Everything we're going to do around here, more than ever, will have discipleship value to what we're doing to help us to really get to the place where we're supposed to be in the Lord. Now, in ministry, and whether it be rescue or repair or preventative or whatever, there's always a time for comfort. But there's also a time for correction and instruction. And we cannot be of such a people that all we want is the comfort. Just tell me everything's going to be okay. You know what, darling? I can't tell you everything's going to be okay unless you do some things and change some things and stop some things and start some things. So it's irresponsible on our end, and it's a, it's a wrong expectation on your end to think that all that ministry can be about is comfort and Jesus loves us, and we love one another, and praise the Lord. That is so mamby-pamby, I don't even want to be a part of that. And there's a, a balance between God's grace and our effort. And the promises of God are conditional. And the Holy Spirit is the helper, not the doer. We're the doer, and he helps us when we're trying to do. And so we have a part to play, and, and for that, we need to be told what to do. And that's the purpose of the Bible, and that's the purpose of the Spirit of Truth to help us concerning this. In Exodus chapter 18, verse 20, you still there? Yes. I said it would be a good news message, but we're going to rough you up along the way, okay? <laughs> Exodus 18, verse 20 says, And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws, and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. In the New Living Translation, it reads this way. You should tell them God's decisions. Teach them God's laws and instructions and show them how to conduct their lives. Another translation says this. Show them the way to live and the duties that they are to perform. Do you know why we have to be shown and told? Because it's not intuitive. We don't know these things. If we knew these things, hopefully we would, we would, we would be doing these things. But it's very important that from Scripture and as a responsibility, as a as a teacher, as a leader, I, I carry huge responsibility. Sometimes I don't even want it. Because James talks about if you're, if you're going to teach, there's a greater judgment. There's more accountability with that. And so that's why we endeavor to be so careful to not stray from Scripture. So Scripture is telling us some things that we need to do. And so my job this morning, my assignment today, is to tell you some things so that your life will work out. And I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how wise you are, how not wise you are, how educated or, or not, there are some things that we need, holy information, that I want to be very direct about today that will help us so that life can come together and work out for us. Solomon studied, examined, observed, all those things, and then Solomon came to a conclusion. I want to read it to you. It's in the end of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. And I'm going to read it to you, first of all, from the Amplified Bible. It says, All has been heard, and the end of the matter is, Fear God, revere and worship Him, knowing that He is, and, everybody say and, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of His creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, we talked about this earlier, the adjustment 
to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun and the whole duty, everybody say duty, duty, duty for every man. In uh, the same verse in the New Living Translation, it says, here is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is the duty of every person. And then the Message Bible, I love this, it says this. The last and final word is this. Fear God, do what he tells you. And then beginning of verse 14, I don't believe we have it on the screen, it says, and that's it. <laughs> I love verses like this. The last and final word is this, fear God, do what he tells you, and that's it. And so this is the conclusion that Solomon comes to, but it gives us three obligations or duties. And I want to line them out, uh, outline them for you here real quick. Now, verse 14 is going to carry one more, but let me start out here. The first one is that we fear God. Everybody say, fear God. This is our first duty, obligation. The second one was to keep his commandments. What does keep his commandments mean? What does that mean? Give me another word for it. Obey, obey. And so we obey. And the third one we find in verse 14, and I'll sum it up in this. You need to be prepared for final judgment. You need to be prepared for final judgment. Now that sounds a little scary, doesn't it? How many of you know you're not afraid to get your report card if you've shown up for class and done your work? So these all follow one after the other. This is the highest, that you fear God. As you fear God, then you will keep his commandments, you'll obey him, and then you're in good stead for judgment. You're in good stead for judgment. It's not something to be feared. However, if these are skewed somehow, uh, we need to get ready for this, and the only way to do it is found here. So everybody read them with me here. Fear God, <laughs> obey, judgment. Okay, and these are our three obligations and this is for everybody. And I know that you're trying to make New Year's resolutions and you're trying to prioritize. Well, let me just make it easy for you. These are the headlines. These are the main things that we need to have settled in our life. And so we're going to look at this. It starts out with fear God. And when we hear the word fear, that kind of evokes many thoughts and even emotions. Ultimately, though, if, I'm to, if I translate this over into our vernacular, it does not have to do with fear the same way that we understand fear. We're afraid of certain things. You need not be afraid of God. Amen. You should be afraid of trying to do something in a different way than God has prescribed. You should be afraid to be on the other side, not the side that God's on. Amen. But you should not be afraid of God. God's stable. How many of you met some people or heard about them or saw them on TV that were not so stable or predictable? And even the sweetest, uh, most well-balanced person you know, sometimes they're a little bit out of sorts. Sometimes they're a little bent out of shape. Sometimes they have an off day or an off whatever it would be. And sometimes that's a little unpredictable. But you don't need to be afraid of God that way. That, you know, is, is God hairy scary today? Or is he calm and sweet, or what is he? I told you, my second grade teacher, we had, you know, no air conditioning, had the little cubby hole things along the one wall, and then windows all the way to the ceiling, and uh, you turned the deal and pulled the window open so the air could come in. And I liked when I got to use the pole and open the top ones. 
Any of y'all remember this? Last century. Get to pull those. I remember some days here in central Florida, it, thunderstorm is raining and lightning and blowing, and we had to close the windows and had big box fans, and so we're, we're closing these things up, you know, and, well, you didn't need the stick for that one, and, and get those all closed. And I remember my second grade teacher, which was probably my all-time not favorite teacher. Um, there's a lot of reasons, and I'm sure I provoked some of them, but, but uh, come on, who's the adult here, you know? But she told us, thundering and lightning, that God was upset with us today. And I thought, just didn't ring true in my heart. It was a little confusing for little Timmy G. (laughs) But it's not the kind of fear that we're talking about here. Ultimately, if we roll this over into our understanding, a current understanding, this fear of God actually is respect. Everybody say respect. It's an incredible respect of the highest degree. It's awe, not dread. It's wonder, not cringing. It's worship. It's not worry. Proverbs 23, 17 in the New Century Version says this. Don't envy sinners, but always respect the Lord. The bottom line is this, and this is where we're going to zero in today. The bottom line is that we fear God or that we respect God. It's not only our bottom line, it's the key. And you know what else? It's required. This is our duty. Follow, get this. This is our duty, but this is also what makes life work. This is the key. This is the the incredible thing that will help us find our purpose and build our character and cause happiness and bring adjustment to anything that would be out of kilter in our life is to get first things first and truly in full regard have God in the highest respect in our lives. Now, it is the key to life working and I wanna read to you several verses here. In Proverbs uh, 1.7, I'm not gonna put all these on the screen but I just wanna give you a little overview. Actually, we will use these verses here. Proverbs, uh, excuse me, Psalm 34. They're right next to each other. Psalm 34, verse 9 and 10. You who belong to the Lord. Anybody here? You who belong to the Lord, fear him. Those who fear him will have everything they need. Even lions may get weak and hungry, but those who look to the Lord will have every good thing. Psalm 128, verse 1 through 6. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy. And it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house. Your children like olive plants all around your table. That's for sure. (laughs) It's the blessing of God. (laughs) Blessed, uh, excuse me, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you out of Zion, and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Deuteronomy 5.29, and this is just a sample of all that's in Scripture. This is repeated. This is a major theme. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments. I lost my verse here. 
Oh, keep all my commandments that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Now, don't all those verses sound like good news? I mean, I mean, come on, that you have everything that you would need and that your house, your family are blessed, that things would go well with you and also with your children. Now, let me stop just for a moment on this. If you come from a religious mindset that is not in line with Scripture, then this is going to throw you off on a few things because you're going to relegate everything to heaven, that all blessing and all good is for heaven. None of these verses are about heaven. This is about right here in our lives. And whether or not you've had all these things happen for you, well, I haven't had everything I need. Not everything's gone well with me. Well, let me just throw this out to you. I caution you out of respect and fear for God that you never accuse God of failure or misleading you or misrepresenting something. Hey, if it didn't work out, it wasn't God's fault. But grandma loved Jesus all her day. You don't know about grandma. I had one grandma that swigged. I got a lot of grandma stories, okay? We won't, even, we won't even take the time right now. You don't know another person's heart. And the thing is, for yourself, you might ought to check, am I doing this right? Because these promises of God's word, this is God promising this. And out of respect, he said it, I believe it. Whether or not it's been my experience, I'm not going to negate or water down God's word to fit my experience. Instead, there's something that needs to be adjusted in me and the people around me so I can walk on the plane of what God truly intends for me. Now, regarding the fear of the Lord, and we'll see this over the next few weeks, first of all, you must choose it. Second of all, Scripture teaches you can learn it. And thirdly, you must continue in it. So you choose it. Everybody say choose. You choose it, and then you learn it. Say learn it. And then you have to continue in it. Now, I don't know where you're at with your New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff. Maybe some of you said, you know, I'm going to exercise and do all this stuff. Well, how many of you know it's one thing to choose it and to start it? We're on day three. And I know maybe you worked out really hard yesterday, and you go, that should do it. It probably won't. You're going to have to continue. And the same is true. Well, I gave my heart to Jesus in sixth grade. I know, dude, and you're 41. It's like you're, you're going to have to stay current with these things and continue to fear God obey his, and obey his commandments. Real quick overview of wisdom. And I'll just give you the verses for these. Proverbs 1, 7 says that the fear of the Lord... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Several places in Proverbs, Proverbs 9.10 for one place, says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. So I could give you knowledge on these things, but you're not wise unless you apply them. And the fear of the Lord will drive you to a place where you will properly use the knowledge you get. Proverbs 4.7 tells us that wisdom is the principal thing. In the New Living Translation, it says getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. What's the most important thing you can do? To get wisdom. Proverbs 8, 13 says that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You need to hate evil. 
In Proverbs 16, 6, it says the fear of the Lord is to depart from evil or to avoid evil. What is evil? Evil is bad and wicked and wrong and sin. It's things that are morally gross. It's, it's, we know what evil is, but I want to tell you that the word evil also translates out as this. Adversity, affliction, calamity, misery, sorrow, and trouble. Now, this is where this is going to run crosswise with you if you are religious but not scriptural. You do not embrace sorrow, adversity, affliction, trouble. You don't embrace those things. Actually, I have the fear of the Lord. I understand this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord came to prolong them in your life. But the Lord delivers you out of them all. What are all the promises of God about? When you left your house this morning or when you got up this morning, did you, did you pray and say, Lord, I pray that I have a lot of sorrow today. I, I pray the car breaks down, going to church and coming back. I pray that somebody steals my wallet. I pray that I get food poisoning. So you can show me how much you love me. That's ridiculous. And much of the religious mindset of some things that God hurts you so he can heal you, you try that and you'll get arrested. Amen. You try showing your children how much you love them. I'm going to hurt you really bad so I can heal you. I'm going to withhold from you so that you'll know that I'm your source. It's illegal, folks. It's not even the character of God. In Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorite verses, it says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Everybody say thoughts. The word is used three times in the Hebrew here in this verse. The thoughts that I think towards thoughts that I think towards you. They are thoughts. Three times in this one verse, it's all the same word, and it means this intentions. This is what I intend for you. How many of you would like to know what God intends for you? For I know the thoughts, the intentions that I think that I intend toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts, intentions of peace. Everybody say peace. Remember we were talking about wholeness earlier? That's what this word translates as, is wholeness. God wants you whole. Thoughts, intentions of peace and not of what? Evil to give you a future and a hope. Evil there is that same word that we've talked about, that you're to hate evil. And it includes, yes, what is bad and what is wrong and what is wicked and so forth. But it also includes adversity, affliction, calamity, misery, sorrow, and trouble. Evil is the corruption of what God intended for you. It's the opposite of what God intended for you. And so we're not to be embracing those things. You should hate sickness. Amen. I said you should hate sickness. When I was a little kid, I loved sickness. Because when I was sick, mommy would come in. Oh, Timmy. Are you okay? No. What do you want? Mashed potatoes and jello. I'll be right back. And we're going to bring the TV in your room. And here's a little bell if you need me. When I got married, the bell disappeared. Now I hate sickness. And she won't mind me telling you this. If, if, I get, if I do get sick, so, which is rare, and it's usually because I get overtired or stressed or something. I do something I know I shouldn't do. She'll come in the room and go, are you better yet? 
How about some jello? You know? You need to hate adversity. Uh, come on, you didn't pray today. I hope five people get really mad at me today for the glory of God. No, come on. You need to hate evil. Ultimately, what it means is this. You take sides with God. And regarding things that are wrong, if you're not against evil, God can't help you much. Think, think about it. If you're loving and embracing affliction and trouble and confusion and sickness, it's hard for God to help you. And if there's things that God has commanded you not to do, and they're wrong, they're evil in that sense, and you're embracing them, let me, let me tell you something. And they're destroying you, and you know it, but you're still embracing it. God has promised to deliver you from your enemies, not your pets. And there's some things that you're holding on to. I know this is so bad for me. I just can't get free. And it's because you've made it a pet. And you're enabling yourself. And you've got, you got to get a holy hatred. Let me give you a bottom line here for the fear of the Lord or respect. I love what God loves. I hate what God hates. Say it with me. I love what God loves. I hate what God hates. If I love something, if you love something and you find out God does not love it, God hates it, guess who needs to change? You need to, I love this, but then you find out that God hates it, you adjust. Or if God loves something and you didn't like it so much, and you find out that he loves it, guess what? Guess who changes? You change. I love it too. There's a girl I, I, uh, kind of liked in college and kind of liked her from afar. And then, you know, the course of classes and that kind of thing, and we ended up uh, in closer proximity, which is fine with me. And uh, I got up the nerve to ask her out, and she said, uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to go out with you. And, and I said, uh, well, where do you want to go? And she goes, I want to go to the opera. So I said, I love the opera. <laughs> and I pick her up to go to the opera. And I was a Christian, but I really wasn't serving God at that point. A real cold time in my life, so to speak, away from God. And I pick her up, and she's in the car, and she kind of turns and looks at me, and she goes, hey, I want you to know I love Jesus with all my heart. I'm driving, I went, I love Jesus too. <laughs> Opera, Jesus? And you're just making those adjustments, but I'm telling you something. Out of respect and the fear of God, if you find out that God loves something and you didn't like it, guess what? You do now. And you find out that the, vice, the, the reverse of that, you find out that God hates something and you loved it. That's a blast. Well, guess what? Not anymore. If life is going to work for you, this is not only a duty. This is what will make life work for you. In Psalm 112, and I'm coming closer to the end here. Psalm 112. I didn't want to shortchange you on the first Sunday of the year. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, praise the Lord. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commands. Two things. He fears the Lord. He delights greatly in his commands. It's Ecclesiastes 12, 13 restated. 
He fears the Lord. He delights greatly in his commands. In the New Century Version, it says, Praise the Lord. Happy are those who respect the Lord, who want what he commands. Let me just break this down for you. To fear the Lord and delight greatly in his commands or obey his commands, you cannot learn the fear of the Lord apart from the word of God. So they go together. But let's, let's just break this down real quick, and then we'll bring this to a close. To fear God, to respect God, I love what he loves, I hate what he hates. Go ahead and say it. I love what he loves, I hate what he hates. And to obey him, or as Psalm 112 puts it, and delights greatly in his commands. Delights greatly in his commands. Can I tell you what that means to me? I love God telling me what to do. Say that. I love God telling me what to do. And you know what? We don't like people telling us what to do. Come on, you don't. I don't. You know, even at church. Oh, no, we're on our best behavior at church. But I can finish the service and say, every head bowed, nobody leave. Bless Jesus, that was a good sermon. I like that song, but I'm going. Nobody telling me. Hey, it's a new year. And then in the parking lot, here we get you right. I ain't parking there. Got a special spot for me, sport? I'm going over here. You're not telling me what to do. You see my car? And you know, when I, when I travel, there's just still, still something in me that'll say, I, no, you need to wait over there or this or that, or we're doing this, and there's something in me. Tell me. <laughs> Maybe it all goes back to my second grade teacher. I, I don't, <laughs> don't know. My parents used to tell me stuff, and then to their face, it's like, yes, sir, because my stepdad was like three times as big as I was. Yes, sir. Get around the corner. <laughs> Come on, how many of you did that? And worse, worse. But you know what? Do you want life to work out for you? Hey, forget that just for a minute. It's your duty. It's your obligation. I'm going to love what God loves. I'm going to hate what God hates. And I love him telling me what to do. And Psalm 112 says that the one who fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commands... is blessed. He's blessed. Can't happen apart from that. One last thing. It's not only our duty. This is what makes life work. Now get this real quick. Real quick. It is first of all volitional. Do you know what that means? You choose it. I decide this. I voluntarily decide I'm going to fear God. I'm going to love what he loves. I'm going to hate what he hates. And I love him telling me what to do. It's first of all volitional. It's not first of all emotional. It's first of all volitional. It's what I decide more than what I feel. But get this. Once I decide something and it's volitional, it will become, if you make a quality decision, it will become emotional. 
And when you get the volition and the emotion together, you will have consistency in your life. Not just, well, I don't feel like that today. It doesn't matter what I feel like today. I've made a decision. And then when you can get those two married, when you can get those two welded together, I have made a decision. I'll tell you what, the feelings follow, and you keep nurturing that. They'll get together bonded in such a way where you've got volition and emotion together. You'll have consistency in your life, and life will be much, much better than the life you've had thus far. We'll continue on this next week. You get anything at all out of this?